Of course, this is where Deadpool himself would start out with a fourth wall breaking, addressing the audience directly uh, quip. But um, since that's pretty much all I do here, uh, I think we might as well just get this show started. Welcome to the Crooked Table Podcast, where we discuss the world of film from a fresh angle. And now your host, Robert Yanis Jr. Welcome to the Crooked Table Podcast. This is Rob. On this episode, it's another month and another Marvel movie, so we're talking all about Deadpool. Deadpool 2, more specifically. And I'm not going to do a traditional review like we normally do on this podcast. I'm going to, I'm going to have a written review going up on CrookedTable.com, um, hopefully within 24 hours of this episode going live. But I will give you my quick thoughts of the film. Um, overall... I was a little hesitant going into it. I kind of had some concerns that it wasn't going to live up to the first Deadpool film from 2016 from director Tim Miller. Part of the reason was that Miller himself wasn't returning, although I do really like David Leach, the director of uh, unofficially, like uncredited director of the first John Wick, and he also did Atomic Blonde last year, which I enjoy quite a bit. Um, but more than that, the reports coming in that he left the project due to creative differences. He wanted to do a smaller, more uh, focused film like the first one, whereas it seemed like Ryan Reynolds in the studio wanted to pump in, you know, a bigger budget and go heavier on the CG and, you know, more, uh, you know, a little grander in scope and that kind of thing. And I think it pretty much it definitely shows that they went the latter route here. Um, R-rated comic book films in general tend to not sustain themselves very well into sequels. I'm thinking specifically of Kick-Ass 2 and of Kingsman the Golden Circle, both of which, well, <laughs> both of which uh, are preceded by excellent films that are probably among the best R-rated comic books, uh, comic book films, or comic book films in general of the last decade or so. I really enjoy both Kingsman and Kick-Ass. Um, the sequels had very much diminishing returns, uh, especially Kick-Ass 2, which I really only saw the one time and think is kind of terrible. Uh, Kingsman is fine, but it's not nearly as cohesive or like, uh, I don't know, the sequel is very spastic. And you can tell with both of those films that the directors and the studios and the teams behind them were trying to up the ante and continually outdo themselves as far as the violence, as far as the shock value, as far as uh, pushing the envelope and just trying to trying to create something that's... that capitalizes on what worked the first time and just in intensifies it to the to the nth degree. And I think Deadpool 2 definitely suffers from that. Um, there's a lot of stuff in the film that is that does work. I, uh, I think specifically, uh, I think her name is Zazie Beats playing Domino. She was great. She was actually the best part of the movie, I thought. Josh Brolin was fine as Cable. I actually thought he was better as Thanos um, just because I'm familiar with Cable and this felt like a I mean, he's felt, I know he's supposed to be stoic, but he also felt kind of undeveloped until part of the, until the third act, essentially. But that's part of the storyline. Um, I actually thought Ryan Reynolds' Deadpool was kind of obnoxious and got on my nerves more than he did in the first one. I was totally on his side in the first film. And in this one, I felt like, I felt like they crammed in so many references and so many, you know, jabs at Marvel or DC or comic movies in general or, hey, Green Lantern or X-Men Origins Wolverine or whatever that it became sort of annoying after a while and, and almost predictable. Uh, that being said, in addition, there was a lot more uh, extreme violence, and I don't think that necessarily having more violence in your superhero film, even if it's Deadpool, 
makes it uh, a better story. And there were a lot of narrative shortcuts in here, especially with the way they handled uh, the character of Vanessa, played by Marina Baccarin. And um, it, 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 a lot of repetitive gags. I mean, you, you see that a lot with comedy sequels. I think always about the Austin Powers trilogy, which I love. But which very much feels like the first one feels like a breath of fresh air. The second one feels like it's rehashing jokes from the first one. And the third one feels like it's rehashing jokes from the first two. And I definitely feel like Deadpool 2 had a lot of that. I mean, you could go through and like with a with a check with a, uh, a clipboard and be like, yep, that's the reference to the first one. That's another joke that's like a play on the first one, that, like ev literally constantly. And uh, well, so while I enjoyed the film, it's definitely a tremendous step down from the first one, in my opinion, as far as uh, narratively, as far as um, as far as how funny it was, and as far as you know how, how overall how successful it was as a movie. Will I get it and add it to my X Men, uh, you know, film my Blu Ray X Men Blu Ray collection? Of course, I have X Men Origins Wolverine, which I'm not proud of, but I got it for like four dollars on DVD, so it's like. I'll give myself a pass. And this is definitely better than that. Um, but to my estimation, it's definitely one of the weakest X-Men films of the 12 or 10 or whatever they're at now. Um, I put it above X-Men Apocalypse, X-Men Last Stand, and uh, X-Men Origins Wolverine. And that's about it. So... Um, you know, a lot of people are going into the super hyped and obviously it made what $125 million this weekend. So clearly audiences are, are loving it. And, uh, I thought it was fine. I, I thought it was okay, which was a disappointment for me considering how much I did enjoy the first one, um, which I know has its detractors too. Um, so it's interesting to see, you know, to see how this, it'll be interesting to see where they take this character now going forward. I think the next step is absolutely going to be an X-Force film. But I actually have had this theory for a while that Deadpool himself would actually be the perfect sort of launch pad for rebooting the X-Men franchise as a whole. And I actually wrote an article about this for CheatSheet.com last year, and I'll add that to the show notes below, um, for 10 reasons why Deadpool would be the perfect way to lean into redoing the entire X-Men universe. The fact that he breaks the fourth wall and that kind of thing. Um, and I think I think it's time for that. It's, at this point, it seems like Fox doesn't even really know what to do with the X-Men franchise. I mean, right now we have X-Men Dark Phoenix, which is, get it, we got pushed push back to next year. And then we have the New Mutants, which also got pu pushed back to next year. And I don't know if part of that has to do with the pending Fox Disney deal or if part of that is just because the studio doesn't have faith in those prop in those in those properties at all right now, or uh, you know what's I, I'm curious what the deal is with that. So I just wanted to run through some of my top ten reasons why I think that regardless of what happens with Dark Phoenix and New Mutants, regardless of whether you know Marvel and or Disney um, ends up with uh, the X Men franchise down down the line. I do think that if X-Men goes back to Disney or goes back to Marvel Studios and, and the Disney-owned side of things, I do think they're definitely going to reboot it. And I think that they should keep Deadpool and use that, use him as a way of sort of leading into that. So let's just get started with it. Number 10, Deadpool, the original film, it already reboots Colossus and the X-Men. I mean, we have references to Patrick Stewart and McAvoy and there's a, even a, a really, there's even a couple of really cool cameos in the films about you know, referencing those, those characters and those portrayals, 
But they're really just asides. Uh, I heard on a podcast recently them comparing the Deadpool films to sort of Family Guy style, where there's a quick cutaway gag or constant pop culture references, that kind of thing. And the X-Men appearances thus far, with the exception of Colossus and, you know, Negasonic Teenage Warhead and such, have very much been asides. Like, oh, what? Why is nobody here? You know, McAvoy or Stewart, that kind of thing. Um there's there's no reason why that's has, that's canon, and plus, if anybody is equipped to look over those kinds of things, it's Deadpool, and uh, you know Colossus is played by a different actor than he was in the Brian Singer films, and we haven't really seen any of the other X Men in a substantive substantive role. Um, you know, there's another character that shows up in the in Deadpool two that was in the X Men films that uh, is again portrayed differently than he was there, so. I, I think that, that you know they haven't established necessarily that Hugh Jackman's Wolverine is is in this world or I mean they sort of have but in a jokey way not really in a way that uh, has any substance on the narrative so I think that you know they so sort of have already kind of backdoored their way into rebooting the X Men already starting with Colossus number nine the time has come for a fresh approach uh, I think X Men Apocalypse would have been the perfect way to end the that part of the franchise you know of course we're still getting dark phoenix at some point but i think at this point uh, you know it's been 17 years 18 years actually since the x-men franchise started and it's already been in, insanely convoluted and fans have been sort of mixed on it i think not necessarily from the beginning but certainly after the films started being not so great so i guess with last stand uh, on and they've been it's been kind of a roller coaster ride of a great X-Men film a terrible X-Men film a great X-Men film a terrible X-Men film and um, you know I think I think one of the best ways to move forward with that especially considering that uh, Deadpool lends itself to that is uh, is to bring in a fresh approach and you know the X-Men franchise has not been consistently thriving like the Marvel Cinematic Universe and it has not been sort of mired with trouble from the start, like the DC Extended Universe or whatever we're calling that. But uh, it's it's been very rocky. And I think that, um, you know, injecting some fresh blood in there is definitely the way to go. Number eight, Deadpool opens the doors to X-Force. Obviously this, you know, this article was written a year ago and I still stand by everything it says, but this one is a little dated because it obviously does open the doors to X-Force. Not only is that implied because Deadpool uh, the first film mentioned that Cable would be a part of it, that Deadpool is part of X-Force in the comics, but this film literally has a sort of proto-version of X-Force and concludes in a way that obviously implies that, you know, you almost expect at the end of the film, Deadpool will return in X-Force. Um, they're, they're, you know, been hedging, they've been hedging their bets whether or not we're going to even get a Deadpool 3, and if we do, I think it would definitely be after X-Force considering the way this ends and considering the reaction to this film. So uh, X-Force would bring another team into it, which would mix things up, which would vary the brand and not necessarily hang everything on the Professor X, Magneto conflict or, you know, Wolverine and, and that, that classic team that we've seen in, in the previous films. And I think that that is, could be part of the fresh approach that this franchise could, um, could take going forward. Number seven, a new opportunity to tie into Marvel Studios films. If they're going to do that, if Disney is going to purchase Fox and that all works out, keep Ryan Reynolds and build the rest of the franchise around him. Um, 
like I said, they have not introduced the other characters thus far, really, the other X-Men. So you can have Ryan Reynolds and Deadpool kind of be the entryway and say, hey, you know me, now I'm coming over here and I'm interacting with, you know, uh, the Marvel Cinematic Universe and the Avengers and all that. And there's lots of references to them in this film already. So it almost sort of feels like Deadpool, Deadpool 2 sort of kind of... Uh, sneaks its way into the MCU just because he's making so many references like he knows who these characters are or like they exist in the same world. And I think, you know, if that, if uh, if they do bring the X-Men into the Avengers universe, which obviously will happen at some point, uh, perhaps sooner than later, depending how the deal goes down, uh, Deadpool already kind of gives you the uh, the way to do that. Number six, freedom to reimagine iconic heroes and villains. Since the beginning, people have been bitching about, well, this character is not how they are in the comics, or this is not their origin there, or blah, 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 blah. This is the chance for Fox or Marvel or Disney, like I said, whoever's in charge of these characters ultimately, um, this gives them the chance to go back and do a version of the characters that is truer to what fans want, that it takes, uh, explores different, different aspects of you know fan favorite characters like Cyclops, who was sort of sidelined in the... Brian Singer films, or um, you know, like like Storm, who they seem to have never never really gotten right uh, in these films. Not that Halle Berry Halle Berry's a great actress, but that character's portrayal has always been kind of evolving, but never really gelling with who with how Storm is depicted in the comics. She's never really a hundred percent been been the leader and been the the character that fans uh, have you know been behind from the beginning. Plus, if you bring uh, if you bring them into the MCU, then you can have Storm interacting with Black Panther, and then we can have play out some of that storyline a little bit. So there's a lot of opportunity here to reimagine these characters, and they did that to an extent in the uh, in the prequel films, First Class onward. And uh, I think this is an opportunity to, to like wipe the board clean and get back to the drawing board, and um, you know, really really give the fans. To give the fans the versions of these characters that they want to see on screen that they haven't seen before because x-men the original x-men film came out in 2000 which is a totally different landscape for superhero films where they were everybody was in black leather because they thought the colorful costumes would be would look ridiculous and now you have thanos coming down from from space and everybody's in a costume and everybody's using their fake names as spider-man likes to say so I think uh, I think it would be interesting to see what those characters would look like interpreted now as opposed to nearly 20 years ago when comic book movies weren't nearly as mainstream and when they had to sort of fit into a box of what a Hollywood action movie is supposed to be. Number five, Logan marks a solid conclusion to this era. Again, this is before we knew for sure we were getting X-Men Dark Phoenix, let alone New Mutants. It seems like it is kind of, kind of an anomaly because I don't think it really... From what I've heard, it doesn't sound like it's going to involve characters that we've seen on the big screen before. So I think uh, I think that one doesn't really count. But as far as X-Men Dark Phoenix, I guess that's an epilogue to this <laughs> the conclusion to this era. But I think that Logan would have been the perfect film to end the Hugh Jackman-led, Patrick Stewart, McAvoy, all that stuff. Um, that, ver that era of this franchise because they have played a lot of things out. Um, he has essentially been the face of that franchise for so long, and it was a really powerful way to to end Wolverine's storyline storyline on, but also like that that team and those X Men 
and sort of leave them behind. Uh, you know, obviously Patrick Stewart is in Logan, and his storyline comes to a conclusion as well. And um, you know, if you would have ended it at Logan, you would have had a Wolverine trilogy, a or the original X Men trilogy with Cyclops, Storm, and all that, and then the prequel X Men trilogy that basically leads into that X Men team from the original trilogy. So I feel like you would have had a nice nine film set of you know, Wolverine, about Wolverine and Magneto and Professor X, Cyclops, Storm, Jean Grey, and then kind of let that be. And then, okay, let's focus on either other heroes or, you know, new versions of those heroes or, or whatever. And Deadpool would have been a great way to kind of keep that moving forward, focusing on Deadpool and Cable and X-Force and uh, bringing other characters that we know in based on, you know, based on that and using Deadpool and, and friends as the foundation um, possibly throwing in an X-23 movie because Daphne Keene's performance was so praised and she was amazing in that. Um, but, uh, you know, alas, we now have X-Men Dark Phoenix, which I think is one film too many from that that subset of the franchise. But, you know, we'll see how it goes. Simon Kinberg's directorial debut, hopefully it will work and be an amazing movie and give us the Dark Phoenix uh, film that we've always hoped for. But we'll see. I'm hedging, I'm holding off getting excited about that just yet. Number four, fans are over Brian Singer's direction and style. Like I was saying, the black leather for the X-Men and those the, the more Hollywoodized versions of these comic book icons. I think people, you know, hardcore fans especially, have, have, uh, have had enough of that, that uh, take on it. And, you know, Brian Singer's whole ethos for these characters has been like, well, what if being a mutant was like being a gay man? Or you know being gay or whatever, and that has clearly been you know very resonant um, interpretation of the characters, and they all they've always been you know a metaphor for some marginalized group, whether it's you know race or a, you know uh, um, sexual orientation or gender or whatever. Uh, those people that didn't feel like they didn't belong, and them trying to fit into society. And I think Brian Singer's take on that was really strong to get things started, but after a while, it does feel like he's sort of running out of ideas and kind of running in circles. I mean, as you see X-Men Apocalypse, it was clearly among the weakest of the franchise, in part because I think he sort of doesn't have much inspiration left for the, for this world. I think that he's just basically linking things up to his original vision because he doesn't really, you know, it's time for some new voices in here. And, um, you know, I, I imagine, just imagine, like, the the growth that the MCU has seen because they brought in people like Ryan Coogler, people like James Gunn, um, you know, people like uh, people like um, Scott Derrickson, or people like the Russo brothers, who nobody even knew that they would be able to craft three of three of the best Marvel films to date of the nineteen. I consider their three to be in the top five. So. I think that it's time for Brian Singer to say farewell to this franchise, which is, seems like it's already happening, and someone else to come in and, uh, you know, not necessarily have one director sort of lording over the whole thing. You could do like a Mission Impossible style. Every dire a director comes in for each film and just kind of puts their own stamp on it like they do for Bond. Um, so we'll see. I mean, I think that there's a lot of... There's a lot of opportunity for, um, you know, in in interesting filmmakers to come in and uh, make the X-Men their own. Number three, both the original and prequel trilogies are complete. Like I said, this is kind of kind of treading familiar ground as to what I mentioned a moment ago, but um, the original trilogy with you know Patrick Stewart and Ian McKellen, 
and Hugh Jackman leading that. That one ended on a somewhat note, and the prequel trilogy ended ended and, and hinted at connection to the original film. So there's not really much more you need to do with those with those characters. I mean, you could continue like they're doing with Dark Phoenix, but I I do feel like you know it's I like the basically I love the idea of trilogies, a film or or you know a narrative that builds over three films and comes to a climax and then that's the end of that storyline and then you do something else and the fact that now we're getting a fourth in the prequel x-men films feels like a bridge too far uh you know you see this with the mcu part of the reason i feel like they've been able to sustain themselves for the last decade is that yeah there's been 19 films but each character's little little uh, solo journey has concluded after three films where otherwise would be on I iron man six by now but the fact that there's only three iron mans there's three captain americas there's probably going to be just three you know ant-mans and doctor strange films and they'll continue having the team-up films where those characters can keep showing up but i i think that uh it's time to start a new trilogy as opposed to continuing you know treading the same water and I, the fact that we're getting a Dark Phoenix film, and we already sort of had a Dark Phoenix film, um, sort of. It depends. <laughs> not really. If you ask people that know about what the storyline, it's not really have anything to do with the source material. But it, the Dark Phoenix film in name only, uh, I think that uh, it's time to do something new. And, um, you know, they had a perfect tying off point for the team-led franchise. Number two, Ryan Reynolds makes a great franchise poster boy. Hugh Jackman's clearly done with this character. Maybe he'll pop up in a cameo down the line or whatever. But for the most part, I think we're done with Wolverine films. And as I said, with the with the three with the character trilogies, I, I think he should be done. I think we've seen that character start his journey. We've seen that character kind of struggle with who where he is, and then we've seen that character end his journey. And I think you know Hugh Jackman has been sort of beating the drum for this franchise for a long time and he's super charismatic and uh, super popular and everybody loves him and I think that that could transition even, even e easily over to Ryan Reynolds because Ryan Reynolds is very passionate about this character he's you know great on the talk show circuit he's no problem putting on the, that red suit to show up on a on a late night talk show or to show up in a commercial or to just you know really play up the fact that he is Deadpool that 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 the you know the actor himself is really owns that part and uh, in the way that Hugh Jackman owned Wolverine on the big screen and I think he would be the perfect sort of person for other actors and for other filmmakers and stuff to rally around in the way that like Robert Downey Jr. has for the MCU um, I mean it's yeah there's a bazillion characters but Iron Man has always been the big um, audience draw in a lot of ways, he's always been, you know, one of the most recognizable uh, figures in that world, and he's also always been, you know, the most happy to like, yeah, sure, I'll sign on for this movie, I'll make an appearance here, I'll do, you know, whatever you need, you know, he's very seems very willing to be a part of uh, perpetuating the brand essentially, and I think Ryan Reynolds would be the ideal choice to keep the X Men franchise moving in that same direction. So finally, number one. There's no better film to serve as the series foundation. Deadpool came out, blew people's expectations away, became the highest grossing X-Men film, became one of the highest grossing R-rated films of all time. And that's a character that, yes, cosplayers knew, people that go to conventions knew, but 
general audiences had no idea who Deadpool was. They just heard about the buzz and went to check it out. And lo and behold, it became an icon on the big screen, just like he is on the page. And, uh, you know, if you're going to hang your future success on a film, why not have it be your biggest achievement? The film that sort of, uh, in a way, broke boundaries by poking holes in the superhero genre as a whole and um, doing something new with it, taking a taking it for a spin and, you know, uh, a little bit of a joyride in a, in a red and black suit. And, you know, Deadpool, my feelings about Deadpool 2 aside, Deadpool, uh, the film and the character seems like the, the perfect way to do that. I mean, look at what Iron Man has done for the Marvel Cinematic Universe. The fact that he was also sort of a B-level uh, superhero until Robert Downey Jr. came and made him made him a, a household name. And I think the same could be said for Ryan Reynolds and what Deadpool has achieved. So if you're going to build a franchise off of a film, it should be something like Deadpool, something like Iron Man. So I think that that's definitely what we're going to see in the coming years. It'll be interesting where the X-Men film rights end up, if Disney or Fox or whoever, if they decide to follow my advice, listen to this podcast, I guess, and uh, and have Deadpool kind of be the... the the starting point for building out the rest of the X-Men universe, or if they, you know, let him be in his own little corner and do their own thing on the side. I think integrating PG-13 and R-rated releases would be a good way to go because then you get audiences of all kind, audiences of all kind, and you can have a PG-13 X-Men set in the same world as the R-rated Deadpool, and then, you know, have Deadpool comments on, man, I can't curse because I'm in a PG-13 movie or something when he does appear there. Uh, you know, I think the Disney Disney has gotten some flack from some fans because they're they're all sort of not the Marvel Cinematic Universe. I mean, they're they're good films overall, and some of them are great. But there is a, a sort of homogenization that's happened there. The fact that they all are very PG thirteen and very family friendly, and clearly playing for the most part to kids uh, and of all ages, basically. And I think that one way the X Men universe can kind of distinguish itself is to have R-rated films mixed in with PG-13 films and have that um, have that that variety to keep the franchise growing and alive, especially since you're gonna have to overcome the fact that there is 17 or 18 18 years I keep forgetting that 18 years of uh, history that audiences will have to move past to accept a new vision. So that's just my thoughts for how I think Deadpool would fit in with the X-Men universe, depending what they end up doing with it. I'm, as a fan, I'm definitely interested to see how that turns out. But uh, that's all I have for now. If you like what we're doing here, please consider contributing to our Patreon page, just launched at patreon.com slash crookedtable. You can also rate and review the Crooked Table podcast on iTunes to help others find the show. Find me, Robert Gannis Jr., on Twitter at Crooked Table. Of course, there's more podcasts, reviews, videos, and other movie-related goodies over at CrookedTable.com. Next episode is obviously going to have to do something with Solo, whether that'll be a review or another more speculative uh, piece like like the this episode. Uh, remains to be seen. I have to sort of figure out, I guess, what direction I want to take that episode in. Until then, I've been Rob. We'll catch you around the table next week. Roll credits.
This has been a production of CrookedTable.com. All rights reserved. That's the yard of a little KED. <laughs> <laughs>